0: Welcome to Innovating Humanity, the official podcast for Birmingham Tech. I'm Jude Jennison, the host of this podcast, and I'm the founder of Leaders by Nature, a leadership and team development company. I work with senior leadership teams to help them align through behavioural change. In this podcast, we'll be exploring the intersection between technology, humanity and leadership, and looking at how we use technology to be more human and increase emotional connection, and enhance the way that we live and work. I'll be interviewing leaders from technology businesses who are at the forefront of changing how we live and work. You will not want to miss this. Some of the conversations have been enlightening and inspiring and I hope you enjoy them as much as I have done. Bjorn Hurten Johan is the public sector CTO for Microsoft. He explains how Microsoft have accelerated the move to cloud computing for clients as a result of COVID. He also puts to rest the nervousness that some people have around technology taking over our lives or security issues with the cloud. And Bjorn explains what Microsoft are doing to enhance the way we live and work. We talk about how technology can improve workplace culture, giving more freedom to colleagues to change their processes. Have a listen. Hi Bjorn, thanks for joining me today.
1: Hi, Jude. Thanks very much for having me. Nice Can you here.
0: tell us who you are and what you do, please?
1: Yes. So I'm a so-called public sector CTO at Microsoft. So I uh, interface with my uh, accounts, which are public sector organisations at the CXO level to help them devise their strategies and to leverage the Microsoft technologies.
0: So that must be a really interesting, interesting role. Tell me some of the some of the challenges that your clients face?
1: So the the challenges, obviously, due to COVID are quite uh, broad and quite substantial at the moment. Obviously, councils have to um, adjust how they deliver citizen services. Um, The staff have to be working from home. And obviously, all this requires a technology change because, unfortunately, most councils, hadn't made the move to the cloud yet. So there's quite a lot of work to be done.
0: So um, how how have they done that then? Because I'm guessing that there's been a mix of um, quick and dirty to get them running and then potentially some longer-term programs that that create the longer-term resilience and sustainability for that. Um, is that right or...? or-
1: yeah, so I wouldn't describe it as quick and dirty. There are some sure te- <laughs> there are some technical uh, tactical um, approaches that can be taken. So most councils already have, for example, Office 365. then to get their staff onto what we call Microsoft Teams, which is a collaboration uh, tool and service. that means immediately people can work from home and do, Audio and video calls from home, and it is almost like being still in the office, and you've got access to all the files as well.
0: Mm. And do you think that then that the this period of time with COVID has it accelerated the moving towards the cloud and the and the virtual world world for all of us?
1: Yes, absolutely. That's definitely a trend. We can see the uh, the technology is really now being recognised as. Having your data center and, and the other services in the cloud makes it much more easier and much more accessible, much more scalable, and it's more secure as well. And obviously all the IT staff don't have to go back uh, into the offices, into their IT server rooms, so everything can be managed remotely now.
0: So what does what does that mean then for the future of how we how we use technology in the in the workplace?
1: I think um, there there are still two aspects to be fully addressed. The one is the citizen-facing services still need uh, to come a long way. Um, if you if you deal with a council, there are a lot of forms to be filled in and and entered, and the majority of those are still paper-based. So. Uh, to get all these transformed into electronic forms, into electronic systems. I think there's uh, still a long way to go, but ultimately it will uh, benefit the citizens. And um, the other aspect is um, changing your security mindset. Uh, We hear this, unfortunately, in the news quite a lot these days, that councils are being hacked and ransomware, and not just councils, uh, the NHS, and to really embrace cloud technology and if you always hear this in the news today uh, talking about zero trust, we want to move away from passwords because passwords are not very secure have never been and um, moving to the cloud you really want to embrace that as well.
0: so what what's what's your response to that because I, I hear what you're saying of it's more it's more secure but the media think it's not. How, how do you reassure, reassure people like me or, or the councils that, that it's more secure?
1: So we as Microsoft, but obviously other vendors as well, but obviously I can only speak for us, and I know how much money Microsoft is spending in investing in uh, more sophisticated security technologies and therefore... Um, if you consider how much security we impose even on our own data centers, which basically reflect that's the cloud, um, it's not comparable to what an individual council or their co-located IT provider somewhere (laughs) in the country can achieve. We just have a different scale being able to do this. But most importantly, our products and our services we can take telemetry data from all of our cloud customers, of course, not PII data, it's all anonymized, but we can detect trends across all of our customers. So if a customer, a single customer would be targeted, we can recognize that so we can strengthen the security posture across all of our customers.
0: And, and do, you use, do you use monitoring tools and an AI to, to do that? Is that? How does that work?
1: yes absolutely so our monitoring tools we have internal monitoring tools but we give a a very broad range of monitoring tools to our customers as well so they can monitor themselves and take their very own actions and yes ai and machine learning really underpins all of our technology these days so we can detect a pattern where a human it or security admin wouldn't necessarily see this because we can see uh, behaviors from all of our customers
0: so yeah because it's the the multiple patterns i guess isn't it that right. an individual human being can't process as, as quickly as as a computer can process millions of those lines of code and see anomalies what what do you um, what do you think the future holds for us in terms of how we how we use technology
1: um i think we will over the next 10 or 20 years we will be amazed to see how much technology and ai once again can aid us to to overcome most of the challenges we see today so uh, finding cures for for certain illnesses um With Microsoft Research, for example, we are uh, analyzing human blood because every time you get an infection, your body produces antibodies of a certain type. It's like uh, having the right tool to fit on the correct nut, so to speak. And your body obviously contains all of these antibodies. So we uh, analyze the blood and basically can create a a history of a single human to see What is their uh, medical history? What illnesses did they have? Again, taking that into the context of getting the bigger picture, all the different illnesses all form part of your individual uh, constitution. And therefore um, that helps to understand, are you more likely to be uh, at risk for a future illness? And that's how we can much better help provide uh, the correct treatment for an individual patient
0: so again what I'm hearing then is using the technology to process volumes of information that human beings just can't do as quickly and thereby it's benefiting humankind because we're able to accelerate whether it's security whether it's health we're able to identify where there are potential issues and do something about it
1: Yes, that's absolutely.
0: Presumably, then that that's where the interface happens with humanity and with the human beings, because ultimately, when it when it comes to healthcare, it then gets passed over to a healthcare professional that then needs to work with with those patients, rather than um, just roboticizing all of it. Or is that or is that on the cards as well?
1: well in in some uh, aspects of of um, medicine we already have robots performing small procedures or or uh, robotic aided uh, assistance for the for the doctors and physicians so um i don't want to rule it out i just don't want to scare the the listeners uh, to say oh ai is taking over the world and humans are being replaced no the, the great advantage is the humans still provide the, the skill and can be a second pair of eyes, but to just based on facts and factual information to analyze and assess something that's something a, a computer and AI can do much better because of the volume of information fed into this uh, machine learning process.
0: Yeah, and it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because there is that there is that sort of underlying fear, I think, that some people will have around the computers are you know the robots are coming and they're taking over and what does and what does that mean for humanity? What what's your view on that?
1: The the the, the robots or robotics will um, take a great deal away from from the very tedious laborious pieces of work if somebody and again an example from from a, a council Imagine you've parked somewhere and you get a parking fine. The council probably has two different systems, one system to record the parking fine and another system to then issue the the, the payment and receive the payment. And to hold those two systems in sync, you need currently a human to look at both systems, maybe take the information from system A and put it into system B. All of this can be done and dealt with through what we call robotic process automation. But that means that person is then not redundant. The person can focus on some more critical work that is citizen facing.
0: Yeah, and I think, I mean, automation has been around for, for decades, hasn't it? So I think, you know, we be under no illusion that it's not like the robots are just suddenly coming and the, the, the AI is is new. It's, it, it's something that's been underpinning the way that we've interfaced with technology for, for a long time, isn't it? Yeah, how that's... how have you coming back to COVID for a moment, how have you found um in, in clients, how have they maintained their levels of connection as as teams? Because I know, you know, having worked for IBM, for me working remotely in a virtual world, we were doing it 20, maybe 30 years ago. Um, and I'm sure it's the same in, in Microsoft. What, what I found in talking to clients is that a lot of technology organizations were already doing it. Um, a lot of small businesses like me were, were already operating in a virtual world. How have you helped um, maybe public sector where it's not been their norm, or, or maybe even other clients? I know certainly law and accountancy firms um, of often traditionally in banking has been very traditionally office based. How how have you needed to help them make that transition to to working in a virtual world? Because it it does require a different way of working, doesn't it?
1: Yes, absolutely. So with through Microsoft, we offer our customers a, a broad range of different ways of of aiding or helping them and assisting them. Um, we have something called the fast track team who help customers technically onboard Office 365 or, or other services in the first instance, so that gets you over the technical barrier. Of course, we have a broad uh, partner network who can actually help you if you need on-site hands uh, hands-on keyboard through the technical implementation. But we have uh introduce so much more learning uh, content and material on the microsoft learn website um you we assist um, not just our customers but the public earning certifications um so there's a lot we we help people to feel comfortable and confident to use and embrace the technology and then what we also do is we create networks th- using that exact same technology to bring different customers together in a forum like so they can share experiences and and also help each other
0: and what what are some of the what are some of the things that they're sharing
1: Oh, just uh, real use case examples. How would you deliver a a, a planning meeting through Microsoft Teams, for example? How best to uh, create different teams or or SharePoint sites to to collaborate on how to therefore restructure your your filing um, or file shares because departments need now the file shares in the cloud. Lots of different examples. How do you... Uh, then integrate telephony so yeah quite a quite a long list of examples there
0: Mm -hmm. it's interesting isn't it because one of one of the things i find with with technology is i i tend to think i'm a technophobe but when i talk to when i talk to and, and probably because when i was in ibm compared to everybody else who was in the bits and bytes of stuff i i wasn't in that and so I suppose in, in, a, in a room of geeky technology people, I'm a technophobe, but in the in the normal world, I'm apparently an early adopter. But um, so I guess it's all contextual, isn't it? <laughs> it
1: is, but also the, the technology has changed. We, we talk now about something called low code, no code. If you want to create an online form, for example, with Microsoft Forms, or look at our uh, Power Apps platform the 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 power platform you can create an app which you can push out onto mobile phones or mobile devices in in little to no time with no coding skills Mm. and there have been fantastic examples even i don't know probably a year or maybe even almost two years ago somebody who worked at uh, heathrow airport and he wasn't even in it he created a power app to aid and improve his specific business process, and that was so successful. It has been rolled out, and since then, um, Heathrow Airport has rolled out even more power apps. For other examples, if you look at somebody like, uh, I think, is it Car Glass, Auto Glass, when they come to your car and you fill in a form, what whatever they do, their worksheet that is a power app. So it's and these are just small examples but there's so much uh, even in public sector now the track and trace we've worked with our partners some of these examples are using our power platform technology so you've seen how very quickly and rapidly something like this can be created and rolled out as a as a fully functioning business process
0: i i found that really fascinating in the what w- what you're saying is um or what i'm hearing you say is that actually anybody can um can start to engage into, with technology in a deeper way and start to look at how do i use technology to improve my business processes to improve the way that my business operates the way that customers interface with us um and that, that doesn't necessarily always mean that you need to have technical skills to do that how, where where does it where does it end, though? Because as, as somebody who's running a, a business that is people-focused, how do I make sure that I don't get dragged into too much looking at their back office functions? And how do I make sure I don't get overwhelmed with it all? Because in, in some ways, there's almost no limit to what we can do. And before we know it, we're, we all end, spend all our time like, looking at the technology and forgetting about the customer.
1: So you're right. There is, of course, a level or an element of governance required. We provide that as well, especially with the power platform. There's something called the center of excellence. So an admin can look at what are all the little power apps that people have created or flows and all these things. So, yeah, governance, of course, is important, but I think we we are at a stage where the there's so much more benefit to gain by letting people embrace these skills and actually help improve their processes and if you look back um i don't know in the in the 70s or 80s or maybe even earlier than that um, people were able to submit little cards to say i've got an improvement idea for for our business so here we take this a step further and say if you can improve the business let People develop that because it helps the organization altogether.
0: It does and then and then it requires us to have different skills and start to look at things in a different way, doesn't it?
1: Yes, absolutely. And this is my my point from earlier. The whole aspect of automation or artificial intelligence is not about uh, getting rid of people, but we want people to be able to focus more on the the things that um automation or, or computers can't do
0: so do you think that that um un- unlocks a level of creativity that that we can then play a bit more with instead of being stuck in a process we can we can know that there's probably a way around it
1: if the organization allows you to do that then yes absolutely there is that element it's really So what we are seeing here at the moment is not just um, a technology change. We are also seeing a change in culture and the organizations who really embrace that and allow that to happen again in a controlled way. They are the ones who are successful and at the forefront. I know one of my customers, a housing association, they created a separate team who they call, um, that's the innovation team. They can always, they don't do BAU work. They just look at everything. What's the latest technology? What can I use? And loop back into the line of business departments to say, look, I found this new technology that might be useful for you.
0: Brilliant. So, yeah, and, and and it's a really interesting point that you make around it's not about getting rid of people we're not all going to suddenly be redundant any more than we any more than we necessarily were with the industrial revolution it's just about how do we work in a smarter way in a different way what are what are the and, and I'm really fascinated around the cultural piece so have you got any have you got any other examples of where maybe customers are doing it well or maybe we within microsoft where the culture has changed and adapted to enable people to do this better.
1: I think we, we do see this in, um, in the way of working today, and you you hear that in the news. In the old days, the fear by staff or even middle management was, oh, if I let somebody work from home, I don't know if they're really working and doing the work they're supposed to do Or are they just having time off, basically? I think now that we all more or less have to work from home, that question has gone away because, well, oh, it's certainly not being uh, in in, in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. So I think that forms part of the cultural change by letting people get on with the work. And if you then analyze how much time people spend at work, is um, we are all now through covid probably working 25 percent more working hours and the flexibility comes in as well yes we are not all working now nine to five some people of course you need to fit your your personal life in and around this and this is another cultural change the organization recognizes this and lets you have that freedom and flexibility which is of course necessary and good to see that
0: yeah it is isn't it and and you know i'm really fascinated by that um sense that by by creating the freedom to work in a different way we're actually increasing levels of trust um we're cre- increasing collaboration we're increasing the what the, the the way we connect with employees because i think w- one of the things i found with with organizations I've, I've spoken to is They've made more of an effort to reach out and speak to their teams because they felt the the need to do that. What are the, what are the, what are some of the skills that we need to be um, teaching? And and I think and I'm thinking particularly for younger the younger generation coming into the workplace. You know, I'm sure you've you've heard the and I'm not sure the the status. It's something about the 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 people entering university are being trained for jobs that don't yet exist um I how do how do we how do we educate people and what are some of the skills that not just people entering the workplace are going to need but people that you know maybe later in their career um more senior leaders need to be able to adapt as well what are some of the skills that you think we need I mean obviously trust is one
1: um I think it's it will become one of the core subjects or has to become one of the core subjects like you learn the times tables you need to learn about it and and again it is different today than it was in the old days but um i think that that will become a real important aspect of of learning also i think As parents, we have a responsibility to bring children at very early ages uh, close to, to that technology and not just consuming games that are there. But with Microsoft, we do these coding events. And then you think, oh, can a child really start coding? You will be amazed to see how quickly they pick this up and therefore embrace the technology very early on um the the whole mind it's a mindset thing to really think about everyday learning every day is a learning day everybody thinks oh i'm in my role i'm so uh, familiar with all the microsoft technology even i learn something new every day and it's this whole yeah different different mindset of learning and again it's not just the schools i think it's um it's also a responsibility for the parents to help either themselves or allow the kids to to take up these opportunities
0: yeah and i think you know you raise an important point there because we tend to think about children and gaming don't we and 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 obviously that's one way of getting their interest and getting them involved in technology but but it's really not it's not the way that we I mean, it's part of the way we use technology, but it's not the only way. I mean, I know one of the things I was quite shocked about when I when I started my own business, um, because having worked for a for a big technology company, everybody was pretty technologically savvy. But outside of that, in the small business area, what I find is that a lot of people don't know how to use a Microsoft Word document or an Excel spreadsheet or, you know, some of the some of the basics. Like, yeah. How do we how do we upskill people on some of those basics so that so that they can move on to the more advanced things
1: so in in an uh, in the life where somebody is is employed absolutely the the employer should uh, offer time time is the important thing here and and the scope to yeah to start learning and and upskilling I agree with you I see this as well some people um, and the office products are very powerful but yeah some people still struggle with even the the basic functionality and the the amount of functionality keeps growing even in in those basic products which is again interesting but you want to know what you can do with the uh, with the core products Um, but this is as i said earlier a culture change as well an organization needs to offer the time to staff to upskill because in return it increases their productivity for people who are not employed and through covid unfortunately i know many people have been furloughed and i feel very blessed that i am in the job that i am we as microsoft we make an effort that you can upskill. And we even have at a very, very reduced cost um, certifications that you can take so that you can already start upskilling and look for a new job with those new skills that you've earned.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, Final question for you, Bjorn. What's your hope for, for our future in terms of how we as human beings interface with technology?
1: I hope that we, um, as, a, as a community, that we will lose the fear of technology so that we can leverage it to the full extent. But more importantly, I want to make sure that the technology is implemented unbiased. For people who have followed me on, on a recent uh, keynote speech I did for Birmingham Tech Week, Um, I talked about AI and how that is currently biased because uh, of, of certain aspects. And we need to make sure we do everything that the technology is not biased as it's implemented.
0: Bjorn, thank you so much for your time. It was really fascinating to talk to you.
1: No, great. Thanks very much for having me.
0: Bjorn has made me think more about how we use technology and specifically how we make time to work out how we use it wisely. We hear so much scaremongering around AI and social media, yet Microsoft are pushing boundaries of how we can use technology to enhance the way we live and work and solve social and business problems. I'm determined, having heard him speak, to put aside time each week to explore how I use technology to improve the way I work. It might just save me some time. How do you make time to maximize the use of technology? That's it for this week. You've been listening to Innovating Humanity, the official podcast for Birmingham Tech Week. I'm Jude Jennison, host of the podcast and founder of Leaders by Nature, a leadership and team development company. I hope you've been as inspired by this week's guest as I have. If you'd like to know more about how I help leaders and teams be more human in a world of technology, you may be surprised to discover I do it by working in a field with a herd of horses. Sound crazy? All innovation's crazy in the beginning. So if you like to think outside of the box and get rapid results, you can find out more at www.judejennison.com. And if you'd like to find out more about the exciting technology scene in Birmingham, hop onto the Birmingham Tech website at www.birminghamtechweek.com. Until next time, that's it from me, Jude Jennison, the official podcast partner for Birmingham Tech.